If you're watching at home, welcome. Welcome into our service this morning. And um, I want to remind you that there is no place like being at home. And uh, that's this auditorium as our church family. And, you know, I want to encourage you, if you are at home and you're watching and you've just kind of gotten comfortable watching online, can I this morning just challenge you a little bit? Come back to the house of God. Come back to the house of God. You know, I, I, I genuinely believe that God has a plan for this place to be filled and overflowing. I really believe that. And uh, I see it. I see it all the time. And I want to encourage you to be a part of that. And um, it's going to be good. I just I imagine worship with this place full. It's going to be powerful. It's going to be incredible. But uh, if you're visiting this morning, welcome. Uh, my name's Nate and uh, lead pastor here along with my wife who uh, is out, I think, keeping one of our children asleep. Um, I said to her, I was, out, I was out there, I said to Jess, Keown, who looks after our kids, I said, you know, no one can complain about how loud Sam was today because uh, my 18-month-year-old my fell asleep in the middle of worship. So, uh, you know, that's, that's, my, that's my response. If it was too loud for anyone, my child fell asleep. So, Amen. Listen, if you're, uh, if, you're, if you're watching online or if you're here this morning, I want to encourage you right from the word go, uh, be expectant this morning. Be expectant that God is going to speak to you. Um, get ready to receive from his word. And, uh, you know, we don't, we don't just gather to spectate. We say this all the time, but it's a reminder that we need to be constantly reminded of because we are so used to spectating in life. We watch all sorts of things at a distance. We watch YouTube. We watch Instagram. We watch Facebook. We, we watch other people's lives from a distance, but that is not how we do church. That is not how we operate as a church family. As a church family, we are here not to spectate. We are here to participate. We are here to bring what we have in us to the collective what is occurring in this place. We are a community that brings the spirit of the living God that is in each one of us into a place to go from a spring to a river. And I I, I need need to tell you, when, when the room is quiet, it's a bit awkward up here. But when you guys are engaged and laughing and praising Jesus, it, it, it helps preach the Word of God. It draws it out. So if you want me to preach quicker, just saying. Not true. I got a lot of notes this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He's got something to say. Um, we're in a great series. Pastor Darren kicked it off last week, and now uh, it's called Jesus is Better Than. Jesus is better than. We're coming out of Easter where we we unpack the fact that Jesus is a better hope. He is a better hope to put our hope in than trying to succeed in this life on our own. He is a better hope. And we thought, you know what? Jesus is actually better than a whole lot of things. And uh, so we, we began this journey last week. Pastor Darren unpacked Jesus is better than sex. I did not fake tonsillitis to get out of preaching that one. I promise you that. Uh, I was super keen, super keen, but God knew Pastor Darren would preach it better. And um, no, that, that, that makes it sound like I think God gave me tonsillitis. He didn't, but Pastor Darren did an incredible job last week. If you have not uh, got and listened to that message, oh my goodness, you need to do that. It is on uh, YouTube as every message in this house is. It is up there for people to, 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 to listen to a second, a third, a hundred times. Um, Go check it out on YouTube. Subscribe while you're there. It'll help you out. But this week we are talking about Jesus is better than your vice. And I thought, 
what better opportunity to bring a rusty vice to church than when we're talking about your vice, your vice. And uh, look, the reality is we all have them, right? Like we, we need to be real enough in church to acknowledge that we don't all have our lives together. Amen, right? Like we're not perfect. We don't have it all sorted out. I don't have it all sorted out. You better believe that. Um, we all have these things, these vices, right? These little, you know, we could call them guilty pleasures, right? Some are worse than others, let's be honest. But if we were to define the, the idea of vice this morning, because you say that, all sorts of things come to people's minds. If we were to define vice this morning, I would simply say that it is a practice, behavior, or habit that is considered bad, but makes you feel good. I mean, if it didn't make you feel good, we probably wouldn't do it, right? Don't let anyone ever tell you that sin doesn't feel good in the moment. They'll be lying to you. Some vices that we can have, right? We'll start with the more harmless ones. We'll warm our way in, right? Yeah, like, we'll keep it nice and easy this morning. Coffee. Oh, although I believe that it is from the Lord, um, and he wrote a book on it. It's called Hebrews. And... Um, it's, the, it's called many things, the elixir of heaven. Um, not instant, though. I have, a, I have a phrase for instant coffee. It's the dehydrated blood of Satan. And um, if you drink instant coffee, you need deliverance. You do. You need to find Jesus and find proper coffee. Here we go. Some more harmless ones. I, I'm picking on myself first, right? Coffee, retail therapy. Amen. Who doesn't like a good bit of retail therapy? Binging TV, Netflix, Stan, Disney Plus, Apple, Foxtel. I binged some serious TV when I had uh, when I was sick last week. Um, what do we got here? Oh, binge eating. Ah, oh, that is like yes, right? Come on, who's come out of Easter thinking I really don't want to see chocolate for a little while? Right? Amen. I don't. I don't really feel like I ever hit that point, but I know it's it's in, out there somewhere. We're, gonna, we're warming up a little bit here, right? Like online gaming. It's a little world we can get lost in. Excessive alcohol. Drugs of any kind, illicit, legal, prescription. Pornography. Sexual pursuits. Gossip. Gambling. Now, the reality is that we, we list a few of those more serious ones, but let's be honest, the, the things that we consider are, are kind of more harmless, they equally have the capacity to be damaging if we allow them to get to a point where they are excessive. Retail therapy, ask, oh, great, we'll laugh about it. Until it becomes so, so much that the debt that comes with it is crippling. And, and, and I, I can't say enough about the, the, the CAP fundraiser the other day, incredible effort uh, and, and organisation that helps people to get out of situations that they feel like they're, they're faced with these insurmountable amounts of debt. But let's not ever trick ourselves that these harmless little like, oh, yeah, don't have the capacity to become significant things in our lives. Samson had a vice. Samson had a vice, and his vice was women. And you know, we read one chapter of his story, but his story actually, interestingly enough, for, for the book of Judges, which tends to you know, kind of go pretty quickly through people's life story, Samson gets a number of chapters. 
And there is almost not a single chapter related to Samson's life that does not mention him at some point going to some woman. Chapter 13, there's a young Philistine that he falls in love with. Chapter 15, he's then offered her sister, goes to her sister. Then chapter 16, he goes and visits a prostitute. Then later in chapter 16, we arrive at Delilah. It's very evident from that short snapshot of his life that he, he definitely had some vice when it came to women. And we see this because it's this recognisable pattern in his life, right? It's recognisable. It's like, oh, he's back there again. And there he goes again. And there he goes again. And there he goes again. And for some of us, we, we would be able to straight up be like, oh, I recognise that pattern. recognise that pattern. Now, it may not be Samson's vice, but I absolutely recognise the vices that I have and the patterns that they play in my life. And I am am 100% willing to admit that I have certain things in my life that that you you would be able to, there he is again, there he goes again. 7 a.m. every morning, there's the double espresso again. We've got to keep it light, you know, don't get too heavy too soon this morning. (laughs) But do, do we ever stop and ask Why? Why do, why do we need these things? Why do we desire these things? Why, why are vices so attractive, right? And at some point, we've just got to acknowledge that sometimes they're just fun. They're just fun. And, and this morning, we are not trying in any way to have a, a go at fun, right? I love going shopping. I love fashion. Yes, I'm a little vain. It's okay. Um, <laughs> But like, I'm not here to say don't have fun in life. I am here to say that the issue isn't enjoyment, but when they shift from recreation to replacement, we've crossed the line. That when then the things we do that are fun and enjoyable go from just recreation to replacement, we've got ourselves in a situation. Now, obviously, the more harmful ones, I think we recognise cross that line a whole lot quicker like almost instantaneously. But the truth is that most of us at times are simply looking for pleasure, escape, rest, right? Like, like we have the emotional angst in our lives and we just, we, just, we just want to escape that. Like we just want, I just want a little bit of relief from the, the very real emotional angst that is going on in my world. I just want, I want something that takes my mind off of that or, 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 or and somehow numbs my ability to feel that. I just, I want to escape. And for some of us, it's that simple. But what, what, what lack in your life are you trying to fill? At some point, we've got to ask ourselves those questions. We've got to ask ourselves, what is it in us that is lacking that we are are moving habitually towards these things to give us what we feel like we're missing? And you know, if I could put it simply, if I could articulate it simply, it's this. Life is hard and we want help. I mean, I I could be the only one that finds life hard. I know I'm not the only one with three young kids in the room, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking for some support from my parents, right? But life is difficult. Life is tough. I I don't know if anyone ever tried to tell you that life is easy. It's not. That life is fair. It's not. I think I've told you this before. My mum wrote that on my 18th birthday card. She wrote, Nate, some wisdom for you when you're 18. Number one, life's not fair. Right? And we we just want help. And so we reach for relief. We reach for that thing that just gives us that moment of relief or pleasure or whatever it is. 
We see it. We see it even in the disciples, right? Like if you read John chapter 21, and I haven't put it on the screen, so don't worry about it. But to ad-lib that, this is, this is post-Jesus death, pre-Jesus resurrection, right? We're in, we're in the moment where for a very small period of time, the disciples do not have Jesus in their life. Right? It's, it's like this three-day period where there's no Jesus. And I think it's important to recognise what occurs when there's no Jesus. When there's no Jesus, we look at Peter, who's, who's dealing with the very real reality that he just, he just denied the person he said he would never deny. He just, he just saw that that also re- resulted in, in the person that he believed was going to be the Messiah to the Jewish people being crucified and dying. Peter is having a hard week. Peter is having a very difficult moment in his difficult life that is hard and there's no Jesus. And do you know what Peter does? Peter goes back to fishing. Peter goes to escape. Peter goes to get on a boat, to go out into the Sea of Galilee where there's no crowds, where there's no people, where he doesn't have to face the issue that he is dealing with internally that he doesn't know how to deal with internally and he runs. He runs and the disciples go with him and he's like, you know what, I can't deal with this right now, I'm going fishing. And this is not in any way having an attack at anyone who's on holidays having fishing. <laughs> Love a good fish. But when there's no Jesus, when there's no Jesus, why do we do what's not good in an attempt to feel good? <laughs> Ask yourself that. Why do we do what's not good in an attempt to feel good? Because it works. Temporarily. Like, I could be being a little bit too honest this morning. I might not be ready. You know, you guys are like, oh. But the truth is, we've got, to, we've got to be real enough to, if we can't be real enough to acknowledge that the reason we do these things is because they work temporarily. I go and binge watch TV. I'm not thinking about the issues I haven't dealt with in my soul. I am, I am totally switching off. And you know what? Sometimes that's really helpful. But again, if it shifts from recreation to, 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 to like replacing the, what I actually should be pursuing to, to deal with the internal issues that I carry in my life, like, it's not healthy. It's not good. But until we're willing to acknowledge that the, uh, it's good, that's why I do it, we can't begin the journey of, of actually moving away from that. So because it's momentary, it appears to work. And it's, it's, it's the appearance that is actually really damaging to our life. Because it appears to work, we go back to it. Because it appears to work, we go back to it. We have such a, a, a trained, limited, time frame view of things in this life. Right? We are trained on Instagram and Facebook and, and Netflix and these things that are all feeding this instant change happens all the time. And, if it, and, and, and so we only process immediately. And so if I get immediate relief, I don't consider the long-term ramifications. If I get immediate escape, I don't consider the damage it could be causing me 10 years down the track. I get, I get immediate relief and release, but I don't consider the, the, the carnage I might be causing in, in, in my relationships. And so because it's momentary, we keep returning. You see, the vice provides something temporary. It's quick to take, it's quick to access, it's quick to experience the desired result. And what often begins as a naughty pleasure often becomes a habitual addiction. Got my little, got my little vice here. Give you a little... We're going to have a little visual demonstration as we talk about this next bit. See if I can do it with one hand. 
But what we don't realise, you see, is that, that every time we go back, we're slowly allowing... No, I'm good. I did, I did want to try for a headset mic this morning, but hand, handheld's working. And we don't realise that it's getting tighter and tighter. We keep going back and back, and we think we can get out of it until we can't. We think that it's not doing anything in our lives. We think we have control of it. We think that I can just go to it and then, and then come out of it. We think that I can stop at any time and we don't realise that every time we go, we are building a tighter and tighter dependency. And before we know it, we go from occasional to every. slowly but surely tightening its grip. And before we know it, we're like Samson. We thought we were just messing around. Thought we were just kind of like, ah, yeah, new ropes. It's new ropes. Ah, it's just, just, just weave my hair. Ever so gently getting closer and closer to actually revealing or giving away the source of our strength. And before you know it, you're You're stuck. And what you thought you took has taken you. We become trapped in the very thing that we thought was giving us escape. And you see, the the issue with this is not just the fact that we are now stuck and trapped in this habitual cycle of going to this thing. It's what it does to our emotions. You see, because every time we go to it now, we... We feel, we feel shame, we feel guilt. We know we shouldn't, but we still do. We can't feel like we can't get out of it. We feel trapped because we are, but we don't know how to get out of it. We want to get out of it, but we don't know how to get out of it. And so we start now, the very thing that was trying to give us release and relief from the emotional angst inside of us is now adding to the emotional angst inside of us because now we're dealing with guilt and we're dealing with shame and we're feeling bad. And so we keep going back, even though we don't want to because we can't get out of the cycle because we have nothing else that is going to to, to, uh, satisfy that emotional angst long enough for us to stop tightening the vice around our lives. And so we end up in these guilt and shame cycles connected to the very thing we were using to try to get some relief from the emotional difficulties of this life. And I think sometimes we forget that Scripture tells us certain things. Scripture tells us, right, like in John 10.10, John 10.10 gives us the alternative. John 10.10 gives us a solution. When we continually go back to the vice, it's getting tighter and tighter. Sometimes we need to pick up the Word of God and find out what it says about our life. And when we turn to somewhere like John 10.10, what we find is that the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus has come that we might have life and life abundant. It It is the response, it is the answer, it is the alternative to trying to find relief and release in something that is only trapping you and bringing you death on the inside. Jesus stands forever 
in the festival of life, yelling, come to me, all who are thirsty, and I will give you a spring of living water. I will satisfy that need that you kept trying to satisfy everywhere else. And he stands up and he yells this, declaring forever, those who are weary and heavy laden, tired, worn out, come to me. I'll give you rest. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. We read chapters like John 8, where the woman is caught in adultery, caught in a cycle, we assume, potentially, vice. And what do we see Jesus do? Do we see Jesus condemn? No. We get a beautiful relational picture. We get a picture of how Jesus relationally responds to those of us that are trapped in these cycles. And we see that he leans down. He has an intimate conversation with her. He cares about her, who she is as a person. And, she, and, and he says to her, he says, listen, I don't condemn you. I'm not going I'm, I'm to do what these other people were doing to you. But listen, there's a better way. Listen, leave this vice. It's not good for you. Don't sin anymore is what he says. But he doesn't say it as a judgment. He doesn't say it as a condemnation. He says it because he knows it is the best way. He says it because he knows that that is the path for her to receive real life. And you know what? I wish that she had asked how. I wish. I wish when Jesus said, go and leave this life of sin. Go and leave this life of vice. Go and leave this life where we constantly and continually go to these things that we know aren't good but feel good that slowly trap us. I wish that she had asked how. Because the answer was standing in front of her. The answer was standing right there posing the question. And she didn't realise. She didn't realise that Jesus himself is the answer. You see, Jesus is the one who provides shelter and hiding place. Jesus is the one who satisfies our deepest desires. Jesus provides peace. He gives hope. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. He is the one who is able to remove our shame, forgive our sin, free us from guilt. He alone is the one who is able to provide everything that we seek in our vice. My hand is genuinely shaking holding that. Some flat fingers right there. At the end of the day, Jesus is better. Jesus is better than any vice that we go to. Jesus is better. And I'm, here's the thing, right? Jesus offers permanent transformation. Jesus offers permanent peace, permanent joy, permanent satisfaction. Jesus offers what it is, what, what, everything that is permanent. Our vice only offers what is temporary. And all it offers is a pathway into a place where we are trapped and stuck, whereas Jesus offers a pathway to freedom and hope. There is no doubt that when you read Scripture, you come away knowing that Jesus is better than your vice. Jesus is always present. He's always available. He's always willing. He is always able. He is always full. He is always good. He is always gracious. He is always forgiven. Forgiving. But too often, too oh, maybe this is not you, too often we make Jesus somehow a hard or a weird option. Why, why do we do that? Why do we make the one who is better, seem 
weird or hard to access. When he promises he's closer than our next breath. When he promises he is never going to leave us or forsake us. Here's, here's my take. I actually think we misinterpret the access that we have. We misinterpret the fact that we have full and complete and un, unbarriered, lost the word, access to Jesus and all he is for us. We think that somehow we need the right atmosphere or the right context or the right space, right? We think that so, so, so what we do is we construct this, this rightness around how we approach God. And when it's not there, we feel weird or like, well, I can't, I can't, talk to, I can't just talk to him. That's weird, right? And so what we do is we build a restriction around ourselves and the one who's able to actually give us the very thing we're craving. Why do we do that? And because we do that, because we make Jesus difficult, because we make Jesus hard, we go back to what seems easy. We go back to that vice that seems quick, quick to access, quick to take, quick to get a temporary relief. But Jesus is better. Relationship with him is better. Relationship with Jesus is better. But you see, we don't receive benefits of relationship through ritual. You've got, you've got to understand this because, because this is so critical, right? We don't receive the benefits of the relationship with Jesus. This is why it's important to understand that we should never read the Bible just as a set of principles. No, principles need to go through the person of Jesus. That when we read the principles in Scripture, we have to understand that they were lived out in relational context. That's why John 8 is a key picture because we see Jesus living out truth and grace in relationship. Don't just throw around principles in Scripture if you don't have relationship. And I think for some of us, we don't receive the benefits of relationship because our approach to Jesus is not relational, it's ritual. You see, just performing doesn't provide. We have got to have the person. We've got to have the... We can't just have a set of principles. Some of you run to your vice because the relationship that you say you have is more of a religious sentiment and ultimately it's empty. It's a set of prescribed behaviours and habits that you've learned to live by, perform by, present yourself by, but it is no different to some other vices that at the end of the day are empty. And we might do certain things that make us feel good, but if relationship with Jesus, that, that real relationship, if that's not underneath what we do, then nothing is underneath what we do. And the reality is the reason that I know this is because this was my life. This was my life. This was my story. I grew up in, in the church. I grew up going to church every Sunday. And I don't know when it happened, but somewhere along the line, I lost Jesus in principles. I lost the person in the practice. I walked away with a, a set of prescribed, moral, right way to live and, and do life. But somewhere along the line, I lost the person. I lost the relationship. 
and I was left with just the principles. And the truth is that it was empty. Principles are just as empty as any other vice that we talked about earlier. They lack power. They don't give you purpose. And at the end of the day, for me, those principles lacked everything that I thought I was meant to get from them. I saw a great Instagram post this week, resonated so strongly with me. I reposted it, you might have seen it. Pastor Dan Sydney, he put this up. He said, you know, you don't, we don't go to church just to go to church. We don't read the Bible just to read the Bible. We don't pray just to pray. Those things are actually all about deepening our relationship with Jesus. Because it is in relationship with the person of Jesus that we find life. It is in relationship with the person of Jesus that we find freedom. It is in relationship with the person of Jesus that we have hope. We just sang about hope. Jesus is hope. Simply doing something, abiding by a set of principles and practices, that's not hope. Jesus is hope. Jesus is what's better. Relationship with Jesus is what's better. Not just living according to principles and and, and a set of behaviours. We cannot go out to a world and say we have the answer if all we provide for them is principles and practices. We have got to give people the person of Jesus. We have got to ensure that that for us, our relationship with the person of Jesus is real and living and alive. That's where the life is. It's in Him. And for me, The emptiness resulted in what you would expect. I I turned to all sorts of vices because the emptiness of religious principles and practices at the end of the day, they left me unsatisfied. And when you're living unsatisfied with what you think is meant to satisfy you, you soon walk away from that. And you go and you try all these other things that give you a sense of temporary relief and satisfaction. And and, and it wasn't long before I was stuck in all sorts of vices. I walked into a church. I was invited by my brother. I didn't find practices or principles. I found a relationship with Jesus. And it was real. He was real. And from that moment on, he began the process of unwinding those vices. Let me tell you, freedom begins in a moment, but it's outworked over the life of a relationship. Jesus is able to break the yoke of bondage over our lives, but then we walk out freedom with Him in relationship, constantly accessing Him and what He has rather than the very thing we used to go to. It's a constant journey of replacement until we get to a point where we no longer even think about that because we have found all that we crave in the person of Jesus. But we've got to access the relationship just like we used to access the other other thing. I suddenly found I had access to peace and joy and forgiveness and comfort and security and stability and freedom from all 
of my vices. And you know, Jesus, the person of Jesus, His Holy Spirit is here this morning. He's there this morning. Wherever, whenever you're watching this, the Holy Spirit is right there with you right now. And we've been talking this morning about a whole range of things, a whole range of vices that we go to. And some of us are stuck. Some of us know we have got some vices that have got us. We know and we feel stuck and we feel trapped. And the truth is, that Jesus offers freedom and hope. And He's here this morning to provide that. He is here this morning to break the power that whatever it is that you have been accessing to fulfill that that lack in you. Jesus is here to break the power of that vice over your life this morning and invite you into a journey of relationship with Him where you walk out of that. And we're about to go to a moment where I'm going to ask people to respond. And it can take a a whole lot of courage to respond. But that's what it means to live in community, that we support the the journey of every person in this community, that we celebrate when when we're not necessarily going, I should throw a party and clap because this would be a little weird. But, But we celebrate the fact that people are responding to Jesus, that people are being transformed by Jesus. We are not a community that condemns or judges because people are stuck in things. No, we're, we're people celebrating that they're coming to the foot of the cross, that they're coming to Jesus. We're, we're standing just like Jesus saying, neither do we condemn you. Come and find hope. Come and find freedom. Come and find joy and peace. You know, I love, I love Hosea. Hosea is a picture. If you ever read Hosea, it's a picture of Jesus. Right, there's a, there's a link actually even between the name Hosea and the name Jesus. And what we see is that Hosea is a prophet and he is told to go and marry a prostitute, which seems quite odd when, when you understand the law of the time, the religious law, right? But, but what happens is she continually goes back to her workplace and God continually says to Hosea, go in there and get her. You see, because we can't get ourselves out of our vice. When we are stuck in this thing, what we need is for Jesus to come into our life and set us free. And you know what? He does it every time. Hosea is a picture of Jesus, that He will come into your life. That all you need to do is say, come Lord. And He will come in and He will bring freedom and deliverance and hope of transformation. You don't need to feel like you can do anything right now. You just have to respond to Jesus. That's all you have to do. And so I'm going to put a call out right now in this place. First and foremost, maybe you're watching online, maybe you're here this morning and you're like, you know what? I don't know if I have a relationship with Jesus. You might have been in church a long time. But at the end of the day, you actually know, I actually only have... These, these practices, these principles, and it's a bit empty. Can I tell you that there is an opportunity right now this morning to begin afresh, maybe afresh, maybe it's a new, never done before, or maybe, maybe you're like me. You grew up in church. At one point, you're like, you had this close relationship with Jimmy, you just kind of lost it along the way. I want to give you an opportunity right now this morning 
to ensure, to lean into, to begin afresh, a true, real, genuine relationship with Jesus. It's very easy to do. It's not, it's actually not even, I mean, we say a certain prayer, but it's not the prayer. It's not even the words of the prayer that necessarily initiate the relationship. It's the heart, it's the desire, and it's the authentic uh, cry of your heart, Jesus, I want you. And we talk about the fact that it's important to acknowledge that we have sin in our lives, the thing that does separate us from from God. It's, It's important we acknowledge that to Him. But equally, accepting who Jesus is, that actually He died on a cross and rose again and has, has, has provided a way that God has forgiven you for that sin. You just have to accept Jesus for who He is and what He did. And then simply say in some words, Jesus, I, I wanna know You. I want relationship with You. I want You to come and be in my life. It's as simple as that. If that's you this morning and you want that, whether you're here in this auditorium, whether you feel like you've, you've been in church for so many years, it would be weird to respond. Can I tell you, it's not weird to respond. It's genuine to respond. It's being real to respond. Stop, stop pretending if you need this. I'm gonna pray very quickly. Father, for every person who wants to respond this morning, who's thinking about responding, who's kind of leaning in in, in, inside to responding this morning, I want to pray right now that they would know that as they say to you, God, I know, I know that I've done things, thought things, things that you call sin. I know I've done that. I'm sorry. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that He died for me. I, I, I believe in Him and I accept His forgiveness. Come and be in my life. I want to know You and I'm on relationship with You. I pray that as they say those sorts of things to You, God, that You would move right now into their life in a tangible and a powerful way.